Hello and welcome to Double Reel, the monthly podcast magazine for the discerning film nerd. My name's James Adamson and I'm a film nerd with a geeky love of film and obscure stories from the world of cinema and a lot of opinions. Joining me on the podcast, as always, is my co-host, also called James Adamson. Welcome, James. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. So this is the penalty shootout film quiz, which we previously like included in, in our Double Reel monthly episode, but we felt it deserved its own uh its own episode uh for especially for quiz fanatics who want to go straight to this um it's uh it's fiendishly complicated it's keenly contested james why don't you give the audience a little breakdown of because i think a lot of this is your brilliant idea so uh, (laughs) why don't you why don't you let the audience kind of know how it all works so we do the kind of quiz version of a coin toss where we give each other five films actors directors where anything from the the world of film and we get them to kind of blindly rank them without knowing who's coming next so i could say um rank these five directors without coming next and then i could say quentin tarantino and then i could say martin scorsese and blah, 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 and then you have to rank them as you go along and, and you find out end, at the end whether you've done a good job of ranking and them. if you leave a space in second because you think oh maybe francis ford coppola will come along but it's actually uve bowl then you fuck then i'm fucked yeah so it's that kind of thing um and we kind of just kind of mutually agree who had the best kind of list um and they get to either go first or pick who goes first and they get a sort of lifeline when it comes to the actual quiz, which is the format of like kind of penalty shootout. We get five questions each. If it's still tied after five, we have a, a sort of sudden death. Um, and the loser has to do a forfeit. Um, so at this point, make make it clear, I pride myself on being good at quizzes. And it's with a mixture of pride and shame that I admit that despite being quite good at quizzes, I'm getting fucking trounced in this. James is 5-0 up. Um, and that's that's including some draws where basically the sudden death is we have one sudden death question. If it's still a draw after that, we just say, well done, nobody wins this month. Uh, and unless we've done really badly, we don't do a forfeit. So I've not won ever. And James has won five times with several draws. So I'm desperately trying to claw back. Um, so it means that the questions are getting ever more fiendish and the forfeits are getting ever more desperate. In terms of the forfeit, I've the whole time we've been doing this I had the same forfeit and because I've never won I've never had to get James to to watch this film but I'm going to make James watch a film I know he's going to hate which is Wes Anderson's The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou that's the forfeit if I win you've given me various forfeits uh, James Uh, the last one you made me watch was uh, watch any Uwe Boll film Uh, so I watched Alone in the Dark did you Uh, watch Alone in the Dark? uh, kind of kind of it was (laughs) Honestly, I kind of enjoyed how shit it was. It was an unbelievably bad film. <laughs> the, the thing is, right, a lot of this film is... I mean, it's based on a video game. So if you're a person who likes the original video game, you, you'll be pissed off at someone ruining your video game. And it's amazing how many times people have given Uwe Boll the opportunity to do a video game adaptation when he's clearly so bad at them. And when he gets announced as the director of the video game adaptation, the fans of that game must be tearing their hair out going, no, not him, because he's fucking terrible. What I, what I loved about this film is that it's it's a classic storyline that I actually really like. It's a combination of action horror and clever people in a lab. You know, some clever people in a lab have discovered a problem and have got to do something about it. And that goes back to Quatermass, right, which is from the 1950s. And there's a couple of great John Carpenter films used this format. It's such a perfect 
perfect trope to base a movie on and it blows my mind that he does it so badly he's the he is the worst fucking film director in the world it is fantastic i'm tempted <laughs> to watch more of his films just to see how just fucking bad they are bad. it got to the point where i think it was nintendo but some japanese um video game manufacturer who i guess i think i normally expect to be a lot more polite than this just made a public statement said that they were never ever ever going to give uve ball the rights to adapt any of their video games into films (laughs) 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 so honestly it was a much less painful forfeit than some of the other ones i've done however james what is your forfeit for me if as the odds suggest i lose again I don't. I, there's so many to choose from. You don't really like musicals, do you? I like the ones I like, um, and and not others. Okay. Yeah, I won't go for a musical then. Um, I'm trying to think because you've watched so many films. I'm trying to think of a director that you really hate. Um, this isn't so much as a forfeit. Just it's. I'm going to make you watch The Room If You Lose by Tommy Wiseau. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? I've, so been, it, I've been looking for a, a, a chance to watch that. I have never seen it, despite it okay. being sort of part of our um, canon. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give that watch and see what happens. Uh, I imagine it's every it's going to be excruciating, but maybe it'll be excruciating in a fun You'll way. You'll probably just laugh your way through it like an Uwe Boll film. So. Okay. All right, but that, that's my forfeit. You're, uh, t- I feel like you're taking pity on me, which just makes me more desperate to try and do well today. <laughs> Okay, so we have our blind ranking list. As you say, that's the coin toss to see who gets the to go first and have a lifeline in the shootout quiz. Do you want to read your? Do you want to give me a, a list a list to rank first, or do you want me to give you a list to rank first? Why don't you give me a list to rank first? Okay, I would like you to blindly rank this list of superhero films. Okay, um, and we'll see how well you do. Uh, first one is Batman Begins. Uh, go for three, straight down the middle. Spider-Man: Far From Home. Which one's that again? The one in it's in Venice and that. Yeah, the one with Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Go for four for that one. I didn't enjoy okay. it as much as the first or the third Tom Holland Spider-Man okay. films. Iron Man. Two. Okay. One and five. One and five. Avengers: Infinity War. Oh. I've got to put that one and hope that Man of Steel is about to come up. <laughs> the last one is Captain America the Winter Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's five, so what was my list? Uh, Batman Begins. So I think you've chosen Avengers Infinity War 1, yeah. Batman Begins 2. No, I have Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2. Spider-Man Far From Home 4, I think, or 3. Yeah. No, Batman may get right. I'll start the list. Avengers: Infinity War one. Yeah. Number two, I put um, Iron Man. Number three, I put Batman Begins. Number four, I put Spider Man: Far From Home. And five, I put Captain America. You know what? That's probably what I would rank those films. I didn't like the Winter Soldier that much. Yeah, some Civil people War really love it. Better. Yeah, I, I was trying to. I was trying to think what. what maybe it would be better if I picked five films that are not that far apart in quality. Like if I stuck in Iron Man two as like a glaringly bad one. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. All right. I also don't think Batman Begins is a superhero film. I don't think Christopher Nolan would call it a superhero film. 
Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I could say comic book films, but it is about Batman, who is generally yeah. regarded as a superhero. But yeah, all right. Well, you sort of you you feel like your ranking of that list is defensible. Let's see how I do. Okay. <clears throat> right. So, are you ready? Yeah. Rank these films based on your preference. Just these films. Mm-hmm. You ready? Mm-hmm. The Godfather. So what the hell else is on your list of films? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was thinking of being bold and saying three, but I don't know what other ones you've got on there. I'm going to say two because if if something else I really love comes and I can't put it first or first or second, it's not like I've done a terrible thing by making Godfather two, Godfather second. So the Godfather second. Good fellas. I'll I'll put that third. I do as much as I love Goodfellas. I do sort of love the Shakespearean kind of. Uh, beauty of uh, of the godfather so i'll put goodfellas three i'll start i'm starting to i, I can feel this Scarface. going wrong oh. yes. <laughs> uh four i mean that's it's it's a it's a strong it's a strong list so far i'm going to say fourth casino five Ooh. heat so heat first so i've only got i, mean, I can only put heat first yeah, so I mean, what's your list? Heat yeah. one, Godfather two, no, Goodfellas two, no, Godfather second, Goodfellas yeah. third, uh, Scarface fourth, Casino fifth. Uh, look, with hindsight, I wouldn't put Heat at the top. I mean, it's a brilliant film, but I would probably put one of those other films above Heat on that list. So, I didn't want to give you the category, so you weren't thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say films, but they were all sort of like gangster kind of mafia mm-hmm. films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm sitting there thinking, I was, I was basically keeping the top spot for if you said like Godfather Two or Once Upon a Time in America or something. But yeah. it's not the, it's not the worst thing in the world to have heat top of that list, but it isn't my favourite of those five films. So I think you've probably done better, mate. So you have a go first or lifeline or whatever. So you get to either go first or choose a go first, and you get the lifeline. Yes, yes, so, yes. Yeah. Um, you ask me a question first. Okay. And you, and you have a lifeline to use at any time. In case, yeah. Okay, question one. Some of the IMDb's top-rated films were not as big hits on release as you might think, despite their great reputation. Which of the following from the IMDb Top 50 was the least financially successful? Now, let me make clear to you what I mean by least financially successful. To take away this whole kind of adjusted for inflation shit and everything else, this is a very simple profit ratio, box office versus budget. So if a film cost 50 million and made 100, it, it's a profit ratio of two. If it cost 50 and made 25, then it's a you know it's lost money so it's quite simply how much money did it make again how much how much did it make compared to its budget and it doesn't much so it doesn't matter when it came out yeah so that's the that's the basis i'm saying financially successful and your choices are a it's a wonderful life 
B, Goodfellas, or C, Fight Club. Which of those was the least financially successful on release? Oh, I thought The Shining was going to come up here. Um, sorry, so it was Goodfellas was one of them, Fight Club, and It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And when you say not adjusted for inflation, you just mean like it was a... So it's it's money. It's it's how much how much how much money did it, did it make back then? You know, for the time. So did it did these films make three times their money back, twice the money back, or half their money back? Basically, don't worry about the actual numbers, because right. otherwise, the most recent films always made the most money. Do you know what I mean? I think Goodfellas <clears throat> must have at least made nearly twice its money back because Scorsese films tend to do that. Um, feel like fight club might be the kind of the standout one here because i just don't have the knowledge of like the reception of it's a wonderful life from you know 70 odd years ago i think fight club will have made it's hard because fight club probably cost a fair bit more to make than goodfellas and definitely a fair bit more to make than it's a wonderful life but i also think it will have made a bit more money i couldn't give you a figure uh, it's a wonderful life. I've I've seen it once. That's all I know. Um, film is nearly eighty years old. Um, now I, I've I've previously sort of <clears throat> lost my nerve and used my lifeline on the first question. You have the lifeline. You can use it or save it. Right. So I'm gonna take a punt. So I'm gonna. St- I think it's a wonderful life. Will have maybe made say 12 million or something like that which is back in the day which is still pretty respectable but i reckon it'll have cost about nearly four so what would that be so it would have made so say it cost nearly 10 million it cost four so it's made it's made double its money there um goodfellas i think will have cost If it's made, if it made fifty million, I reckon it was made for about twenty million. So that again would be over nearly half its money, like it's doubled its money. So, Fight Club, Fight Club. How much did Fight Club make? Say, they must have made over a hundred million. So it would have had to have cost less than fifty million to be the highest out of these. Remember, you're trying to work out the least successful out of these. So, I think I'm going to go for Fight Club only because it cost the most and therefore didn't make... It would have had to have made, like, about £150 for it to be more successful than It's a Wonderful Life and, what do you want to call it? What was the other one? Goodfellas. I think I'm going to go for Fight Club. The correct answer is It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. So, It's a Wonderful Life just barely made its money back. It cost 3.18 and made 3.3. You were almost perfectly right about Goodfellas. Goodfellas cost uh, twenty-five million and made just under fifty. Uh, so right. your, your 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 guess was almost perfect in Goodfellas. Fight Club um, made a hundred million but cost sixty-five million, and which was made it a financial disappointment once you take into hand marketing and everything. But uh, It's a Wonderful Life was the the least successful on release. So It's a Wonderful Life has probably just made a lot more money from like you know DVDs and that. Yeah, it was a big disappointment at the time, and everyone you know, and but by the time it sort of started getting shown on TV, it it became in retrospect a classic. Do you know what I mean? Right. Okay. 
<clears throat> okay, so that's your first question. Uh, you haven't scored yet. You, my go now. Okay, so with the new Hunger Games prequel film coming out um, today, funnily enough, can you can you name me the the name of the kind of country that the the Hunger Games is set in, and how many districts there are in that uh, in that world? Okay, now there's a bit of an element to this, which is there's a rogue district and everything, isn't there? So it's, I'm going to, I'm going to have to say, I, I think I know it's Panem. I think that's the name of the country. Yep. The question of how many districts there are. I know that, I've got this feeling in my head that there was like one of the districts had been kind of wiped out in the war or something, but still got mentioned as one of the districts. So I have to kind of guess how many districts. I keep hearing that like District 13 had been wiped out, but again, District 13 is a French movie. So I might be misremembering District 13. So is it 13 or 14? Because one of the districts doesn't exist anymore. Is it... I'm sure that I'm sure I'm getting mixed up with a French film here. That might be sending me completely down the wrong path. Arrondissements as well, not districts. Um, come on, get that shit out of your head. Oh, look, look, the number thirteen is stuck in my head. I got the feeling that because of that that extra rogue district, it's thirteen. So I'm just I have to go with what's in my head. Pan M thirteen. Yep. District thirteen is the one that gets wiped off. All right. All right. More by luck than judgment. Okay, your second question. You, you're behind now, you need to catch up. Okay. Which film, or which of these films, used the most fake blood in a single scene? A, The Shining, B, It Chapter 2, or C, Carrie? Now, Carrie is the original. I haven't seen the first one. Um, so it's between those three for which used the most fake blood. Is this going to be like a mad technicality when it wasn't actually blood they used in The Shining, it was just water that was dyed red? No, in all of these cases, it's fake blood. So it doesn't matter what they used. It's the the, the dyed red liquid they used. Um, they all used a lot of it. It's which one of them used the most. It's not a trick question, which is which one of these used more of that. Okay. So... I've not seen It Chapter 2 because I refuse to watch any film about terrifying clowns. <laughs> why the fuck would you put yourself through that? But I'm going to assume that it must... like The only reason It Chapter 2 has been put in here is because it did something just to break The Shining's... I assume it's The Shining's record because Carrie's obviously got a lot of blood in it, but not like anything that comes close to filling up like two elevators worth of... Um, is it two elevators? I can never remember. In The Shining, is it two elevators? Or is it one I th- that gets? I think away? it's just one elevator, but they film it from different angles because right. Kubrick's trying to freak people out. Okay, but that must be a fuckload of water. So I'm going to assume that it's it chapter two because there's no fucking reason for that film to be in there. So it must be there for a reason because it's just been a cunt and decided to break The Shining or Carrie's record. Is the correct answer? Yeah. Fuck off, It Chapter 2, you fucking shit thing. Yeah, so The Shining uses a lot less than you'd think. The Shining used 300 gallons of fake blood for that scene with the... um... Is that all? Yeah. 
Carrie used a thousand gallons of fake blood. Christ. Which it doesn't look like that much on the screen because it's like a bucket, but I think they had like lots of visual kind of lots of takes and they shot it from lots of angles where the blood goes down and lands yeah. on it. It Chapter Two has Jessica Chastain like like drowning in a bathtub of blood and they used five thousand gallons according to the Fuck off. So that that feels like they like I think you called it. I think they did it just just to have the record. For no reason at all. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's uh, one each, but I have a second question to try and defend my lead now. Okay. Can you name me the most expensive scene that was cut from a movie? Not the scene, but what film? The film that had the most expensive scene cut from a movie. So, your options are... I'm glad you're giving me options, so I was going to be absolutely desperate without that. So... Now, there was, a, there was a few options here, and there was loads adjusted for inflation, so I'm not going to give you the option of Wizard of Oz, which was the top of several lists. So, mm-hmm. there is Superman Returns, 2006. Um, Brian Singer apparently had to cut a scene that was worth a lot of money. I'm not going to give you the values, because I would obviously give it away. Mm-hmm. Um, World War Z mm-hmm. or X-Men Days of Future Past that's interesting two Brian Singer yeah. films on this list yep is it just a three I've, or is there a fourth one I'm just going to give you three I don't want to okay. make it so too okay. complicated so this is interesting because Part of me is thinking, why is X-Men Days of Future Past on that list? Because the other two are famously expensive productions. World War Z cost a lot of money and then had to do a lot of reshoots. And when you have to do a lot of reshoots, there's always a good chance that something that originally got shot had to get chucked because it wasn't usable. Because they had to film a completely new ending. They were having problems. Um, They should have done it as a limited series is the problem. It was never going to work as a film. Uh... Superman Returns was famously expensive, and Superman films are ex- famously expensive to do. Like, the first Superman film cost twice as much as the first round of Star Wars films, because it's just so expensive to make that, to, to, to make Superman. People don't realise, but actually, it's really, really expensive. And that film, Superman Returns, was like 200 odd million at, at a time when that was unusual for a film to cost that much. So... But Days of Future Past, did that have a lot of reshoots? The film out of the... You see, if they anything they have to cut from Superman Returns is going to be expensive. That's the thing, because that whole film is really expensive to do. But I do Let know that... Let me give you the three values, right? But I won't give you the values as according to the film, obviously, because that gives them away, but hopefully it gives you a better indication. So, one of the... Um, the cuts or cut from the film uh, cost ten million, and then the second most expensive one cost twenty two point five eight million. That's a that's six. a whole fucking film. And then the most expensive was 
$26,042,620. And then, I'm not including it because it's adjusted for inflation, but Cleopatra apparently cost $120.5 million um, because they cut the entire third of the uh, movie. So, I'm not including that one. It's the, the three before that. So, the $26 million, the $22 million, and the $10 million. The reason I'm hesitating, right, is that the film that I know was really expensive and had the most reshoots. I don't know if Superman Returns had to have a lot of changes made to it or Days of Future Past. I know that World War Z had to, like, extensively, extensively run. They, they shot a whole new ending. Like, Peter Capaldi wasn't in that movie and, until, like, after they'd finished filming and realised that they were having trouble. But I'm also trying to think, what individual scene from World War Z was that expensive? I mean, there were expensive scenes in the film, like that whole bit in, in Jerusalem and the, the fucking plane. Those would have cost money, but so, that's the one me, that's... Let me, let me be clear. So, it, maybe, I should, maybe I shouldn't have said scenes, but, like, deleting chunks of a film yeah, is basically what... Yeah, deleting chunks of a film. So, the, the Superman one was about six minutes... That yeah. they cut, and then World War Z cut a few, and X Men: Days of Future Past cut a few. Okay, you see, X Men: Days of Past, Days of Future Past has got lots of special effects and stuff in it. And why is it on the list? Same I think thing if you, you, I think if you, I think I knew about this more because I think I was more into the kind of X Men at the time of this film coming out. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Okay, despite me not being able to think of like an expensive scene, because of the extensive nature of the reshoots, I'm, I'm going to stick with World War Z. I think World War Z is, is the answer because I can't think of anything else. You'd be correct. <gasps> the reason X-Men Days of Future Past costs so much is because of the rogue scenes. Have you ever heard of the rogue cut? No. Exactly. So it was basically Anna Packing's all of her scenes were cut from wow. X-Men Days of Future Past. But that cost twenty two point five eight million, and then Superman Returns. They had a a scene where a Superman's ship lands in Superman's Earth parents' farm, and it was six minutes. Um, twelve. It was oh, actually right. twelve million dollars. Because yeah, uh, the start of that movie, he's come back from going to space, hasn't he? Apparently, it's a. I've never seen it, but apparently, it's a really nice scene. It's about six minutes long with no dialogue, and that mm. was probably why it was cut because the studio executives famously don't like that. Mm. And then World War Z, they changed the full ending. Uh, the original ending was to have Brad Pitt's plane land in Russia, where he was drafted into the anti-zombie army there, and his wife was forced into a relationship where she was trading sex in return for uh, summer to stay in food for her daughters. Um, so they changed it to the one where he ends up landing in Wales um, mm. and goes to a World Health Organization centre yeah, there. They, they completely lost themselves making that film, didn't they? Yeah, the, I think they felt like that original ending was far too dark for, mm. a, yeah. for a summer blockbuster. I think they're sort of right, which is probably leads into our argument as to why don't you just make it a fucking TV show. Because that's how the book's written. The book would have been... It's a, you read the book and you would say limited series. It's perfect. All right, so that's... Cleopatra, by the way. I didn't include it because of inflation, but they built all the sets in London and then had to build them all again in Rome. No, that film is legendary. That's that, that, fucking that, wild. That film cost like $35 million to make in 1960. I mean, that's like fucking $500 million today. It's madness. Christ. <laughs> Christ. 
Okay, that's 2-1 to me after two questions. Yes. Right, so this is your third question, yeah? Yes. Who was originally cast as Donkey in Shrek before the role went to Eddie Murphy? Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, A, Chris Farley. B, Will Ferrell. Or C, David Spade. I fucking hope it wasn't David Spade. Oh. Why does Chris Farley sticks out for some reason now? Remember, you've got a lifeline. I don't want to use it just yet. So, Will Smith, surely it wasn't Will Smith. Sorry, Will Ferrell? Did, if I said Will, Will Smith, Ferrell, I apologize. I don't know if you said Will Smith. Chris Farley, Will Ferrell, David Spade. They're all basically people who used to be on SNL. Oh. I th- was Chris Farley not dead by that point? Because I know he's not alive anymore. You're right, he, he isn't alive anymore. I don't, I'm going to rule him out. I don't think he. I think he was. I think he died in the nineties. Um, so who does that leave? Will Ferrell or who's the other one? Uh, David Spade. Fuck off, was David Spade <clears throat> nearly donkey? I don't think it. I've got. I'll go for David Spade because I don't think it was. I don't think Will Ferrell was anywhere near that project, so I'll go for David Spade. It was Chris Farley. No. He he actually recorded most of his dialogue uh, and then and then died suddenly and uh, tragically because he was still very young and they had to bring in Eddie Murphy because they hadn't completed the film. No, that can't be right. That is right. I'm going to look that up. There's, there's a whole load of like Chris Farley kind of... I think you can even find his audio... Chris Farley was the original voice of Shrek. Mark Myers stepped in soon after to honour his departed friend. Yep. Not Donkey. Yeah, not Donkey. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Shrek. Did you not say Donkey at the start there? No, no. Oh, I did I say you... I, I did say Donkey. Right. Sorry, mate. I'm going to have to give you a right answer there because I've I've fucked up the question. Sorry. Ah! I have to give you a I have to give you a correct answer there. Sorry, I honestly misread that as that he was cast as Donkey. So I'm giving you I'm giving you that. So that's two. Oh co- my co- brain. <laughs> right. That's my that's my fuck up. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna call that two to you. Sorry, mate, that's my mistake. I'll call that two to you. I just realized my fuck up. Okay, so that we'll call that two to you because I screwed up the question and now oh I have my, my third question. Sorry, mate. Uh, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. So I'm I'm on my third question now. Okay. No. I'm trying to word this one correctly. But. But can you tell me the most expensive. No. That's that's going to come out wrong. Right. Yes. I'm going to say it a different way. 
Can you, there's, I've got a list of 10 films here. Can you name three of them? And they are part of the list of films that were never released, but still cost loads. So okay. there's 10 films here. If you can name me three of them, you get a point. Ten films that were never released but still cost a lot of money to make. Yes. Depending on how recent the film it is. I'd be well, obvious. This doesn't seem to be in order, but there are films on here that you definitely... Oh my God, there's a film that cost a lot of money here. Expensive films that were never released. Yes. Is Batgirl on that list? Batgirl is 10th on this list. Okay, so two other films which cost a lot of money and never saw the light of day. Maybe it's in chronological order. I'm trying to think about like famously cancelled projects that, uh, but they have to get really, really close to like being you know finished and or whatever before that you know to cost that amount of money um never released that's the thing um Is Stanley Kubrick's Napoleon on that list? Um, no, it isn't. But if uh, it cost more than one of these films on here, I'll give you it. Yeah, no, I think it's a cancel. I don't think they. So you have to you have to start filming. You actually have to have a cast, otherwise it doesn't count, right? No, I'm I'm never right. I'm never I'm never going to get this, mate. No, well, you could have. So there was Superman Lives. Oh, did that? How oh, that counts? Yeah, we talked about we did that as one that got away. I'm an idiot. 30 million, and then there was Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune. Which we've done on here as the one that got away. <laughs> Fuck. And then there was, uh, <laughs> this sounds fucking amazing, but a German producer called Bernd Eichinger tried to do the Fantastic Four um, with Roger Corman directing. Oh, wow. um, Temptation, I've never heard of this, but it was Zoe Zeldana and Adam Pascal, cost 12 million. Um, Broadway-inspired movie, never made it to the big screen. Spring Bake, 83. Now, this is the one that caught my attention. Empires of the Deep, starring Olga Kurilenko, uh, directed by Michael French, Jonathan Lawrence, and Scott Miller. Slated for theatrical release in 2011, cost $130 million to make, and it never... Um, Never finished, I don't think, or it did, but they just didn't bother to release it because it looks fucking shit. But I was expecting you to get June, um, Empires of the Deep. Um, not Empires of the Deep, sorry, June and Spider-Man. Spider-Man lives? Fuck, I can't talk today. Superman lives and June. I was expecting yeah, you to get we should have got those. I'm an idiot. I'm putting Empires of the Deep on the list of ones that got away because that oh, is a mate, new one on me. Look at some of the fucking That's photos. That's madness. That oh looks my, madness. Oh, $130 million. Wow. <laughs> Oh, I feel I'm 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 ashamed I didn't get that because that's actually a, a feature on this podcast. For fuck's sake! <laughs> all right, okay. Um, that was my third, so we're we're two all now, yeah. Yes. This is your fourth question. Yes. Which Bond film has the lowest rating on IMDb? 
Now, by Bond film, we mean the official Eon Bond productions, so not the David Niven and Peace Sellers Casino Royale, and not the Sean Connery Never Say Never Again, because they weren't official Bond films. So which official Bond film has the lowest rating on IMDb? Just out of all of them? Yep. Oh, my God. Right. So... I'm going to assume that none of the Sean Connery ones are rated lower than the worst Piers Brosnan ones. It's whether the Timothy Dalton ones were... I know you like the Timothy Dalton ones, but I imagine there's a lot of people who don't like the Timothy Dalton ones. But what was that? What was the fucking one that they did? Die Another Day. That's got to be the worst rated. There can't be... Unless Roger Moore released a couple of stinkers. Surely not. Because if it is a Roger Moore one, I'm not getting it. Um... What was the other one? Tomorrow Never Dies. Did he not do... It's got to be Pierce Brosnan. Could be the Quantum of Solace. It might be the Quantum of... Surely it's not. It, it fucking has to be Die Another Day, and I'm really hoping that Roger Moore didn't release an absolute fucking howler. Gonna go for Die Another Day and hope for the best. That's the right answer. Yes! 3-2 to you. So, <laughs> the, the three worst rated films on um, uh, <clears throat> uh, IMDb are A View to a Kill, Moonraker, and Die Another Day. So, Roger Moore's got the most sort of badly rated uh, Bond films, but Die Another Day is oh. rightly, rightly pilloried for being a terribly shit film. Okay, What's you, rating you, on IMDb, do you know? Die Another Day? Yeah, it better be about a four. No, that's the thing. You you have to be really bad to get a bad rating on I, on IMDb. It's weird. The, the whole there are films that are like a six point three on IMDb, and and uh, you know demonstrably shit films like like The Phantom Menace, Die Another Day. Hold, well, hold on. Let's let's not talk about the prequels like that. Six point one. Die Another Day is right at six point one, which is massively overrated. But there's this massive. Uh-huh. It, it, the thing is, if you, you have to put like a massive like grading curve on IMDb ratings because the best the best Bond films rated like 8.4 and the worst Bond films rated 6.1 so actually apart from the, those really legendary shit films which get a 2.3 it's really hard to get an IMDb rating lower than about 5 on IMDb I think that's a bit mental because <clears throat> I was doing a bit of reading on um, the last two Hunger Games films the part 1 and part 2 the, mm. the Mockingjay ones and they're about 6.5 and 6.6 Mm-hmm. Out of ten. Now, have you seen those films? Yeah. Do you think they're anywhere close to being nearly as shit as Die Another Day? Not even close. I thought they were but all right. There's only a there's like a point five discrepancy in their rating. The, the, this is just a weird thing. There are films that I really, really, uh, at the very least, quite like that are rated like a six point six on IMDb, and some films I absolutely despise, which are like a six point one. It's a very, very strange, it's bizarre. Anything it? between six and seven on uh, on IMDb is a complete fucking lottery, really.
Okay. All right. That's that's three two to you, and I've got my fourth question. Okay. If I if I'd been if I'd worded the fucking Shrek question, I'd be in much better shape. <laughs> that's my fault. Okay. So can you tell me four out of the ten highest grossing films of 2023? Obviously one's a fucking dead ringer, but... Four of the ten highest grossing. Yeah. Okay, Barbie. Yep. No, the question whether is... You, whether you can remember back to February and, you know like April and that so one question is whether how much of um, uh, what's it the Avatar films box office was in 2023 I'm gonna like, I'm just gonna go with 2023 films otherwise I'm gonna be you know too clever and fuck myself over I'll be kind right Avatar isn't on this yeah yeah okay Oppenheimer's got to be up there. Not many films made a billion, so I'm going to say Oppenheimer. So that's two that you've got. So the other big films that came out, I mean, Fast X came out, but I don't know if it did as well as the previous ones. I I know Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning didn't actually do all that well, so that's not a safe one to say. The problem is you normally just mention all the Marvel films, wouldn't you? And they'd, they'd be on the top ten, but... How many have I got so far? Barbie, Oppenheimer. You've got Barbenheimer. Okay, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 must have done okay because it was pretty good. Just got to get one more. I'm sure there's one in the back of my mind which did really, really well earlier in the year. There must have been, but I can't remember it now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is right. I'm going to take my chances with Fast X because it's the one that sprung to mind. Yep. Oh. So uh, it goes Barbie with 1.4 million. The Super Mario Bros. Ah, that's movie. the one. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love that film. 1.36 billion. Oppenheimer made 949 million. Guardians of the Galaxy 845. Fast X 704 million. Spider Man Across the Spider Verse made 690 million. Uh, the Little Mermaid, fucking hell, made over half a billion. Dead Reckoning, um, post Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Oh, so it made made the top ten, did it? Yeah, it's a fucking bad year. Wait till you hear some of these films that are in the top 20. Elemental made nearly half a billion. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania made $476 million. Which, look, I, I'd be happy if I personally made $476 million, but that's terrible for a, a Marvel film. No, you shouldn't be proud of that. Um... John Wick Chapter 4 oh, yeah, John Wick Chapter 440 four. million. Transformers Rise of the Beast. We're, out, we're, we're, out of the, we're out of the top 10 now, though, aren't we? This is 12. Meg 2, 13th, made 395 million. This one blew my fucking mind. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny made 383 million. Which I, think million. Is, which I think is less than it costs to make. No, but see... Oh, wait, hold on. Ah, that's the domestic gross. Sorry, I thought that they were trying to put the budget next to it as well. Uh, p- probably, um, and then some films in here: Creed Three, Flash, The Nun Two, Five Nights at Freddy's. That's done pretty well. Yeah, yeah I, um, spe- I mean, I bet it. I bet it didn't cost much either. Five Nights at Freddy's. No, it's a horror movie. No. Um, 
But yeah. Yeah, um, it's not been a great year, has it? The Blue Beetle was an absolute flop. Jeez. Uh, $129 million, it probably cost about that to make. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just going down. Yeah, no, no, moment. yeah, it's been weird. It's been it's weird. It's quite All easy right. to do that. All right, so was that my fourth question? I think we're 3-3 three, three going three, into three. the final 3-3 three, three going into the final one. So I've got to ask you a question now? Yes. And you still have a lifeline, which you can easy, either use on this or the or the tiebreaker if it That's goes to tiebreaker. If I get it right, if I know I can get it right, I'll save it for the tiebreaker. Okay, question five. Which of the following actors was offered the role of the brother in Hocus Pocus but turned it down? Oh, for fuck. What the fuck are you talking about? There's a brother in Hocus Pocus? Well, you know... Um, pizza on your focus? No, you know, the, you know the main kid, the main the main boy. No! You don't remember Hocus Pocus? I remember the three witches and that's it. All right, it was the it was the kids that are fighting the witches. So, oh, so anyway, so it's the, it's I'm the, in danger. It's it's the male lead basically, other than the witches. It's A. Toby Maguire, hmm. B. Leonardo DiCaprio, or C. Johnny Galecki. No, this is ringing bells. I have a dream about her. Um, <laughs> so. A little Wheatus reference. 90s music reference there. As soon as you said Leonardo DiCaprio, I was like, oh. Surely not. Surely Leo was past that. When did, when did, can you give me that? When did Hocus Pocus come out? Yeah, this isn't a lifeline. I'm just going to tell you when Hocus Pocus came out. I think it's about 1995. He's way... Leonardo DiCaprio. Sorry, 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 sorry. I've looked it up. It's 1993. <laughs> Okay, so he's not way past that. He's done Gilbert Grape, um, and he's had his Oscar nomination. Was he nearly casting it? I'm going to rule out Johnny Galecki. Just, I don't know why. Um, unless they were both up for the role? Is Johnny Galecki secretly in that film? Isn't there's no trick questions? It's one 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 of these one of these people had something to do with the film. The other two had nothing to do with the film. Um, do you know what? I'm I'm worried, right? Because it would be very odd for you to put Johnny Galecki in here when he had nothing to do with Hocus Pocus. But I'm pretty sure he would have had nothing to do with Hocus Pocus. What is he not a wee bit older? Like, maybe a good couple of years old. I don't know the ages. I know that Toby Maguire and Leonardo DiCaprio are about the same age. And I think Johnny Galecki might be... I think he would have been, like, in a near... Like, early 20s at this point. I don't... Um... It's got to be either the... Oh. Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. As soon as you said Leonardo DiCaprio, something... Ra- like rang a bell. I'm gonna go for Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't know why. It's the right answer. Oh, why did you fucking put Johnny Galecki in there? Well, the reason I put Johnny Galecki in there is that he was big on telly because of um, Roseanne. He was the boyfriend in Roseanne. He's about the same age as Toby McGuire and Leonardo DiCaprio, and he'd been a child star. He was in right. like Christmas Vacation and stuff, so he was knocking around at the time. Uh, I, I put Toby McGuire in because he was another one who was like just starting like to a get Disney big. Kind of kid, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio turned down. Um, Hocus Pocus to make This Boy's Life and What's Eating Gilbert Grape and got an Academy Award nomination for Gilbert Grape so I, th- I think he made a good choice notwithstanding Hocus Pocus is a beloved film and everything I think he made the right choice but yeah 
It's hard for me to hear you say hocus pocus and not say there's pizza on your focus. That's a really famous video up in Scotland. <laughs> this guy just says hocus pocus, there's pizza on your focus, and he throws a really cold slice of margarita onto a Ford focus. <laughs> That's fucking weird. It's, yeah. Okay. It's the most fucking West Lothian video you've ever seen. <laughs> okay, you have um, you have one more question to ask me. Okay. And it's four three to you. So yes. I I have to do this to draw level and take it to a tiebreaker. Okay. So. You ready for this? Yep. Okay. This is just going to be a choice between two, so it's a 50-50. Who has a higher net worth? Steven Spielberg or George Lucas? Now, it's my, you might initially go, I'm going to give you the figures, I'm going to be kind. One has a reported net worth of $8 billion, the other $10 billion. So just the paltry $2 billion in it. Hmm. That's a lot of money. Now, with that, who do you think is number numero uno out of these these two? Okay. Now, the thing is, is that Spielberg's made more films and produced more films. And the thing that would make me put Lucas ahead is all the merchandising stuff. But Spielberg's Uh, good, Spielberg's good for merchandising as well, just because of his... You know, he had his Jurassic Park lunchboxes in the movie. He's not an idiot. And, you know, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, you know, has a, a you know a whole scene that you could easily turn into a theme park ride that they then turned into a theme park ride. So, <laughs> okay, so Spielberg's made more films, right? But George Lucas has got the Star Wars merchandising. He also... Yes, he didn't. He set up a special effects company, Industrial Light and Magic, which, you know, makes films for other people. And then he sold the rights to Star Wars, which must have made him some money. Weighing that against the fact that he didn't make that many films himself, and Spielberg made fucking loads, and produces films. He's very, you know, he's like he's in the film business. He's, you know, he ran DreamWorks. He must have made money from every film DreamWorks made. I'm going to say George Lucas. You'd be correct. Oof. Fucking some effort from Steven Spielberg to only be two billion behind him, though. Yeah, yeah I'd like to be two billion behind uh, George Lucas. <laughs> when you think about the fucking money that Star Wars video games make, I imagine Lucasfilm oh, yeah. still get like credits for those. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you say, Industrial Light and Magic. Yeah, that's a good yeah. effort from old Spielberg there. Okay, so it's safe to say that the quality of the quizzing today means no, no one gets a forfeit if nobody wins. Because I think it's been high, high quality quizzing, but now we're in the tiebreaker. Oofed. Now I've been sitting on this tiebreaker for a while because I wrote a tiebreaker for the quiz a while back and and and, and never used it. So I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've had this tiebreaker for a while. I hope it's not a damp squib. Um, this is me to ask you the tiebreaker first, yeah? Uh, yes. Which of the following stories about Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight is true? A 
During the chase scene with the Joker and SWAT vans, one of only four IMAX cameras in the world at the time was destroyed <clears throat> at quite high expense. Christ. B. One day during a break in filming, Heath Ledger got in a lift in a nearby building, still in character and with full makeup on the whole time. A fellow actor who knew Heath Ledger, got, who was filming elsewhere in the city, happened to get into the same lift at the same time. Heath Ledger spoke to him in character and the other actor didn't recognise him. C. They used so many real school buses for the opening bank robbery scene that two schools in Chicago had to take the day off while it was filming. Only one of those is true. Sorry, say the last one again? They used so many real school buses for the opening bank robbery scene that two schools in the Chicago area had to have the day off while it was filming. <laughs> Only one so, of those stories is true. So I know that the, the IMAX camera with the Dark Knight is true. That's... Okay, so the last one is to do with the school buses. And the other one was Heath Ledger getting in a lift. So, so I'll, I'll just remind you what the question is. Which of the following stories is true? Only one of them is true. Oh, the camera then. <laughs> it's a damp squib. I didn't realise you knew it in that detail. You've got that answer right. I didn't even need a fucking lifeline. Yeah, I knew about the camera. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Heath Ledger in a lift story, I basically converted that. Dustin Hoffman got in a lift in character as Tootsie, you know, when he played a, an actor posing as a, as a woman. Um, right. And Christ. another actor was in the lift with him and he... he, uh, he, he chatted to him in as, as a woman and the guy didn't realize that's a fucking great story okay you get your lifeline right i have to if i i have to get this right and we call it a draw if i get it wrong you win it goes to six nil and i do a forfeit okay okay so out of these three directors who is the youngest? So we've got Francis Ford Coppola. Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg. And Martin Scorsese. Okay, so Martin Scorsese, I think, turned 80 very recently. Is which of these is it? Which is these the oldest? Which of these is the youngest? The youngest. The emphasis which on the youngest, the youngest. Out of those three. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's Spielberg because he's born in like 1946, and the other two are born nearer to 1940. So I'm going to say Spielberg. Yeah. Oh, high quality quiz. Uh, we'll pull that a draw. The score remains five nil. No forfeits. I'll be holding over mine for next month. Uh, James, you'll make your own choices. But uh, well played, mate, and thank you very much. No worries. Okay. I'm not watching that fucking Wes Anderson film. <laughs> you are fighting so hard not no, to I'm lose. Not watching that fucking Wes Anderson film. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the latest Penalty Shootout film quiz brought to you by Double Reel. The score remains 5-0 to James, thanks to a schoolboy error on my part, and I'm kicking myself. Thanks to my co-host and continuing quiz nemesis, James Adamson. Thanks also to Podbean for hosting and Audacity for editing. We are grateful for their continued support. The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod. 
The first part of this month's issue, Double Reel Monthly, is available to download now with news, new releases, reviews of new films and the latest on our Nick Cage and David Cronenberg projects. In a few days we will deliver the next part which is our features, including classic The Brotherhood of the Wolf and a hidden gem which is Werner Herzog's Rescue Dawn. The one that got away is Steven Spielberg's The Trial of the Chicago 7 and our remake Hate Watch is The Invasion. Until next time, stay safe, watch lots of films and may your life be as awesome as you pretend it is on social media.